0: And all God's children said, amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody tonight. Welcome to everyone uh, tuning in online. And praise the Lord. Once again, good service today. And uh, went out to many folks and praise the Lord for that. Now, uh, we've got some things to take care of this week, and I trust that you'll be part of all that's going on now and in the near future. Uh, Do pray for us that God will give us strength and organization and help us stay on track. But Wednesday night, we've got Bible study, but also business meetings. So I hope that you'll be with us for that. And we're going to certainly see some great progress in the days ahead. God has supplied our need. Don't forget on Saturday to clean and to come and to go visit at uh, 10 o'clock. We'll be on visitation and uh, out there doing the work of the Lord. Coming up a week from this next Saturday, two weeks from yesterday, is Beast Feast. We have those sign-up boards. We have those flyers. Everybody be on the phone. Let's be inviting people. Let's be out on time. Be part of all the action. One o'clock activities, four o'clock meal and program. Hope that all the men and the boys will come out. All the ladies will help out and make it a great, great success. And then in the month of March, we have Palm Sunday coming up. We have the Lord's Supper. We have Resurrection Sunday with choir. So we want to join us for choir rehearsal beginning the third. And uh, then. On into April, many special things going on, but the ladies and girls spring tea on the 27th. Mark that down. Praise the Lord. And uh, uh, we do do encourage you to stay active because, you know what, God's going to keep us warm and keep us going for Him. Uh, We want to make sure that our heartbeat is the same as the heartbeat of the Lord Himself. Now, that, uh, that song we just sang, A Soul Winner for Jesus, reminds me of the song. We didn't have time for one of the extra songs. We lined up several extras because of the rally this morning we had with the missionaries. But one we didn't sing was, Give me a passion for souls, dear Lord, a passion to save the lost. Oh, that thy love were by all adored and welcomed at any cost. Uh, Though there are dangers untold and stern confronting me in the way, Willingly still would I go, nor turn, but trust thee for grace each day. And how shall this passion for souls be mine? Lord, make thou the answer clear. Help me to throw out the old lifeline to those who are struggling near. Jesus, I long, I long to be winning. Men who are lost and constantly sinning, oh, may this hour be one of beginning the story of pardon to tell. I'm glad for all those soul-winning songs. It keeps us in line. And it was um, one of my mentors who said... If, uh, if you want to have a, a D.L. Moody kind of revival atmosphere, then you need Ira Sankey music. And uh, if you want a Billy Sunday kind of revival atmosphere, then you need Homer Rodehaver music. And it's always been the case when there is real Bible-based, uh, red-hot, Holy Ghost evangelism and revival. You've got to have music to match that. One of the worst things is, I think what one preacher up north, I think it was Brother Gomez up in Illinois said, he said, you know, I just don't, I can't figure it out. This, this new fundamentalism features this elevator kind of music instead of uh, red hot soul winning music. And man, we don't need elevator, do we? We need soul winning. Praise God for that. All right. So I trust that tonight uh, we'll all be on the same page with what we're going to be seeing In the Word of God. When uh, I have mentioned in the past, my relationship with Dr. John O'Rice was that of, he was my spiritual grandfather. Whenever he'd sign Bibles and books, and I've got his signature, uh, Brother Tom, through all of my library, I've got uh, all of his books signed, and uh, he was a great friend. Uh, He came to my dad's church and uh, came up and said, Brad, come on over and sing with me. And and I said, well, do you want me to harmonize with you? No, no, no. You sing the melody, I'll sing the harmony. Well, Doctor Rice, you know he, he could sing his own music, and he had his own inevitable style. And uh, I enjoyed I had the high and holy privilege, while he was alive, singing duets with Doctor John R. Rice. And he was a he was a dear dear man. A lot of people know the guy that could spit, uh, you know, fire and and uh, uh, I mean like he chewed razor blades. I mean he was just he was so strict on the truth, and so right on things. But he was the man who came to our house and and uh, held our boys in his arms and rocked them. And a lot of people don't realize that's the kind of man. Who, that's the other side of Dr. Rice. We had a privilege of knowing him. He would always sign in the Bible, Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. I want you to read it out loud with me, so turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles, this great... So winning passage. It's a great challenge, and uh, it's Psalm 126, one two, six. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Everybody find it, Then look this way. Come on, Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Come on, look this way when you get it. All right, okay. Ready? Let's read it out loud together. Begin. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's just loaded with truth. And I'm glad tonight that we can have that as the basis for our message. Well, he that winneth souls is wise and praise God for this truth. And we're going to talk about how we can personalize this and make it our own tonight. Let's begin with prayer. Lord, guide us into all truth. Holy Spirit, you're here. Fill us now, we pray, that we might be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we said this morning, as we preached on the Great Commission and on our missions outreach, uh, you can't be a true servant, have a servant's heart, and be effective for the Lord until first you've experienced salvation on a personal level. Can you look back and... Remember a time when you received Christ. You knew you were lost. You knew you needed a Savior and you called on the name of the Lord. And He came in and He saved you. Praise God for that. You need to have that time. If you can't remember a time when you were lost and now you're saved, then you need to make that time tonight. And the Lord Jesus Christ is standing at the door and He's knocking right now. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, we have to come Answer the door and, and invite him in and he comes in. And I know that that has to do with fellowship. And I know it has to do with the seven churches of Revelation. But I also know that it applies perfectly to the individual who will open the door. And uh, as we've said so often, as others have said so often, you don't see in that picture that's been painted on that famous verse, you don't see a handle on the outside of that door. The handle's on the inside. You must open the door. You must invite Jesus Christ in. And that's what we tell people. That's what you want to tell your family, friends, and neighbors, and coworkers, that you need to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. We can't do it for you. Your parents can't do it for you. Your preacher can't do it for you. Some other Christian soul winner can't do it for you. Only you can invite Jesus Christ into your life. And then when he comes into your life, what a difference. What a change. And people see that there's been a change, and they say, oh, my, what a change. It causes you to have a Holy Ghost burden, uh, a sense of urgency about soul winning. We need to go forth. We need to to sow in tears and reap in joy. The tears are so necessary. Uh, A great soul winning leader who wrote uh, articles for the Sword of the Lord years ago, Coach uh, Bruce Foster, uh, said uh, the problem is not that there are so many dry-eyed conversions today. The problem is there's so many dry-eyed converters today. That's it. When was the last time you wept over lost souls, people dying and going out into eternity, dying without Jesus Christ? When was the last time? Now, we'll cry over other things, won't we? We'll cry over lost opportunity and scratches on the car and, you know, uh, all kinds of things that, that seem so, so minimal and so, so little and so unimportant when you think about an immortal soul burning forever in hell that doesn't know Jesus Christ. It's time for us to get a renewed vision to win your lost one, loved ones, like uh, John R. Rice wrote in his song. Oh, win your lost ones, your lost family, your lost loved ones to Jesus. Go win your lost family members to Jesus. That's what we need to do. We need to be a soul winner for Jesus. So tonight I'm speaking simply... On this subject, to renew that vision, to restoke that fire, those embers, so that you'll start carrying uh, the tracks that we carry in our pockets and in our purses and in our, in our uh, pocketbooks, and we share with others uh, the little smiley face tracks. They've gone around the world, and we want to continue to do that. We want to share Jesus with people, and every day should be a day of inviting people to be saved. Now, maybe someone won't get saved every day. We ought to invite someone every day to be saved. Every single day, we ought to invite somebody. To receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Dale Moody would not pillow his head at night if he had not yet uh, tried, endeavored at least, to win a soul to Jesus Christ. He got so burdened about it, one night he got into bed and could not sleep. Because he was thinking back. He said, there, I didn't ask anybody to be saved today. He got up out of his bed, put on his clothes, went down into the street. I mean, it was now late at night. And it was not safe, but he was walking up and down looking for somebody that he finally could share the gospel with, and he won to Jesus Christ. I'm thinking about that preacher when he was a young man. Went to hear Gypsy Smith. Gypsy Smith always won people to Jesus. He'd come over, made many trips, dozens and dozens of trips from England to the United States. And he was there preaching in St. Louis in one of the great halls And uh, he had finished his message, finished the invitation, and asked another pastor from the city to step up and close in prayer. He preached a great challenge to be a soul winner, and he went out the side door. And as soon as the final amen was said, just a matter of a minute or so, closing prayer, Why, that young preacher ran out the door and looked for the first person, and he saw a cabbie standing there, and he went out, And he said, do you know that you're saved? And the cabbie said, yes. And he said, how do you know you're saved? He says, well, that gypsy just won me to Christ. He came by here, won him to Jesus Christ in about a minute's time. Now, I know know that may seem trivial to you, but it can be done. It can absolutely be done. I don't know if Elvis went to heaven or not. I guess we'll find out when we get there. He made several professions of faith. One as a child in an Assembly of God church in Tupelo, Mississippi. His mama was a godly woman. And... uh, And he went down the aisle in an Assembly of God Church. Don't know if he got saved then. Later on, uh, there were several soul winners that dealt with him about his soul salvation. He was always curious about spiritual things. So much so that he had an old Bible next to his bed. When they found Elvis dead in his bathroom, there was a Bible on his bed. There was also a a, a book by Nostradamus. And uh, so I don't know which one he was reading. But uh, he had a curiosity about spiritual things. And that's a fact. I know his life was not exemplary of a Christian, but uh, that, was, that was his desire. Uh, he sang gospel songs all the time. I don't know if he was saved, but lots of people tried to win him to Jesus Christ. And um, I, I know that Mylon Favor, I know that Mylon Favor hooked up with George Harrison of the Beatles, got George Harrison to play background on one of his recordings, the first and only time... Up to that point that anybody had been successful. And um, I use this as an illustration only because somebody asked George Harrison later why he had not played for anybody else prior to that. And he said, nobody ever asked me. And I wonder if during that time, if Milon Favor ever asked George Harrison about Jesus Christ. George Harrison was a Hindu. He believed in, in a reincarnation. When he wrote, My Sweet Lord, he wasn't writing about Jesus. He was writing about Hare Krishna writing about how hard it is to get to know God, to get to God, to be reincarnated, to be reincarnated. He was wrong on that. I wonder if anybody ever talked to him about Jesus. Every time one of these celebrities dies, every time there's a suicide, self-destruction, I wonder if anybody ever paused to tell him about Jesus. I think about all the folks that have died, and we hear about them because they're in the news. Uh, I wonder how many ever took the time to try to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe your burden is for that kind of person, then you need to get on the horn, start writing some letters, making some phone calls, making some visits, do what you can to win souls for Jesus. Tonight, we're talking about soul winning. 1, 2, 3 and ABC. I know that rhymes. But here in Psalm 126 and verse number 6, He that goeth forth, put down number 1 by He that goeth forth. This is really basic. John R. Rice in bemoaning the fact that so many churches had stopped winning souls. Said the reason we don't win more souls than we do is we don't take the time to intentionally go and win them. Now, I know that in our going, as we're passing from place to place, we witness, don't we, sweetie? We try to witness to everybody that we can. But that's not enough. We need to intentionally go. We need to have a time to go. We need to intentionally do that. You say, I don't know if I could do that. Someday when we stand before the Lord, we wish we would. Sometime in the future when you're standing before Jesus, you're going to be glad you heard this message and you're going to be glad if you respond to it and say, you know what? I'm going to make a time to go. It's going to be on Saturday. It's going to be on a certain time. It's going to be between shifts at work. It's going to be, I'm going to go so I'm going to actually go and ask people if they know if they died right now that they go to heaven and try to win them to Jesus Christ. See, I'm not very good at it. Tell you what, just read up everything you can read on it. Fill yourself up with the Word of God. Pray, be filled with the Holy Spirit and try it. And I tell you, by the second or third time you'll figure out what to say. You'll figure out something to say. and That's what we should do. He that goeth forth. He that goeth forth. We need to intentionally go forth and weepeth. We need to care about other people dying and going to hell. We need to see people on fire. We need to, we need to smell the burning. We need to actually experience it and hear the screams and hear the moans and the groans and, and the agony. And until we get a vision of people that we know burning in hell, we're not going to do anything. We need to really get serious about this, folks. We need to go. So on the way, we need to go. And then we need to take time and go and tell people about Jesus. So number one is to go forth. Number two is to weep and really care. Number three, bearing the precious seed. He that go forth and weepeth bearing precious seed. That's it. That's it. We need to take the Word of God. You carry copy of the word of God on your person with you wherever you go are you able if somebody asks you a question to show them in the Bible are you ready always to give an answer of the hope that lies within you that's it one two three go forth weep bear precious seed and then it says shall doubtless that means without doubt doubtless come again amen that's a with rejoicing B. bringing his sheaves with him that's C there it is come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. we ought to not only win souls to Christ we ought to bring them to church with us and let them find out how wonderful it is to be a Christian how wonderful it is to be able to see them make that life changing decision when we moved to South Carolina years ago there was in the church a very creative young man who is now 80 years of age he's not young anymore but we had the joy, I had the joy of ordaining him to the gospel ministry. He had gotten saved, uh, having moved from New York, one of the toughest places in New York. He would moved out of New York, taken his family to Florida to get away from the crime and the violence up there. And resettled and he had been invited to church and he got saved after he attended that church. And he got called to the ministry. And uh, he, God gave him a creative idea. And Tom, here's what, what the idea was. Get yourself an old bus. Well, many of us have done that. Get yourself an old bus and then convert it into a puppet stage with sound and with characters and go from neighborhood to neighborhood and take the gospel out to these neighborhoods because many will never ride a bus. Many will never come to our church, but in their own neighborhood, in their own setting, go to parks and so forth. You can't do so much of that anymore. People are worried about child abusers, and and other crimes that might be committed against humanity. So you've got to be careful. But in those days, he created a program that he called the Children's Love Boat. And Dr. Beebe didn't like the name because Dr. Beebe immediately thought of the television program known as the Love Boat. But this was the Children's Love Boat because he took an old bus and he actually cut some metal and he painted and he made it look like a boat. It looked like a boat going down the road. It had a mast. It had a flag. And you climb in the back, and there would be a puppet stage there, and so you could get about a dozen kids in the back up those steps. And uh, there would be children's programming that would be shown to get their interest, music that would be played. And then there was a a seven-and-a-half-foot furry character that would get in a costume, and that was Sissy the Sea Monster. And, uh, And... Brother Rich Bellow was the man who brought all this out of nothing and made it and started going from place to place. And he was faithful. And every Saturday, they'd go out to a half dozen or more neighborhoods, and they would have gospel presentations. And there would be dozens and dozens and dozens of decisions for Christ. And then the bus workers would come in and sign the kids up to ride the bus and come to church. It was great. It was fantastic. I still have the planning materials for the children's love boat ministry. It's still good. Now there is a, an advanced version, I don't know if it's point .2, point .3, that's going on, and, but this is from October the 2nd, 1978. Material cost to date, $1,600. No church money was ever used. Uh, uh, the um, bus was supplied, donated. It was a 1955 Chevrolet bus. It was not running, had many bo- body parts missing, and could be considered the worst bus you've ever seen. Approximate value, less than $100. But it was to be used as a tool to bring children or attract children and adults to the bus and put on a puppet show. Not primarily for their entertainment, but rather to edify the Lord. The children's love boat uh, would be their first real introduction to the living Christ. After each performance, an invitation drawing the net is given, souls are saved. To, To sum it up, the purpose of the children's love boat is to introduce children and adults alike to the living Christ. There it is. And from November 27th to December 30th, one month and three days, they saw 143 children led to Jesus Christ, followed up, full information gotten and invited to Sunday school and church. I'd say it works. And there are a thousand ways that are legitimate and legal and proper and creative and could be employed To win boys and girls, teenagers and adults to Christ. There are adults, grandparents now, in church because they were saved as children back in the late 70s. And I believe it can still be done again. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Today we had a wonderful time at lunch as we went to lunch with the phrase and others who accompanied us. And we had a wonderful time talking. And uh, he asked me for a little history. and When we get started... It's uh, kind of hard, uh, hard not to share the details, and in the course of sharing the details of our personal history, I think just covering about an eight-year period of time, so that's not nearly the majority of our life, but in that period of time, we talked about buses and bus ministries in various places where we were winning souls through door-to-door evangelism and bus ministry and children's church and, and uh, evangelism on every level, personal and group evangelism. And, Now, backyard clubs and and, uh, uh, vacation Bible school and so forth. And Brother Frey turned to me and he said, Do you think in 2024 that we can still win souls to Christ in the bus ministry? And I said, Absolutely. I said, The only difference is we have to be much wiser. We have to choose, select the right vehicle for the right neighborhood the right people to work it, people that will be committed, that won't give up, that won't quit. We can't let one single soul slip through our fingers into a burning hell. And I still believe in the bus ministry. I still believe, I believe in everything that's been done up till now. I don't believe that it's to be done and then thrown out. I believe it's to be built upon, like layer upon layer, foundation and first floor and second floor. And and we can update and upgrade. And it might be, uh, you know... It might be the next version of it. But it still needs to be done. We need to go out and get them in the highways and hedges and win them to Christ. We need to go forth with weeping, bearing precious seed. And we will doubtless, what? Come again with rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. That's the Word of God. Do you believe the Bible? I believe the Bible is true. I believe it's still true. I believe we can still do it. Ray, we can still go after Hispanics here and there and everywhere and win them to Jesus Christ. And we can go after non-Hispanics and win them here, there, and everywhere. I believe that the harvest is, is ripe. It's waiting for us to go into the harvest. But the Lord is seeking reapers to go. He's seeking people who are willing to take the time and be willing to go forth and weep and bear precious seed and not let people go to a burning hell. Write this down. The love of Christ constraineth us. What does that mean? When you think of constraining, I mean, it's like God grasping our heart and just squeezing it. He constrains us. I believe that He doesn't restrain, He constrains us. And So the Holy Spirit does a work within us and won't let us go. Oh, love that won't let me go. Oh, love, listen, that that high and holy and heavenly calling won't let us go. I believe I'm still breathing today because God still has work for me to do so many times. I'm not going to write a book about to, today's discussion of my history or anything else. I'm, I don't want to bore anybody with the details, but uh, we go back in our minds, and it's like we're back there again. And... Uh, we're not the age that we are. We're 20-something, and we're going, and the Lord has given me health and strength to keep going. I could have died a number of times. I don't want to go into the details. I don't want to bore you with the details. A number of times I was in perilous situations where I could have died, and I didn't. And recently, recently in, in, uh, in our coming here, and I had those heart attacks, God wasn't ready for me yet, and He threw me back. And the love of Christ constrains us. I'm not through, and you're not through. If you're breathing, if you've got a pulse, God wants us to do something for His glory. By His grace, His love will constrain us. And His word commands us. His love constrains us. His word commands us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Don't let anybody go without the gospel. Everybody ought to have an opportunity. Will everybody get saved? No, no, no. Far from everybody will get saved. Many will profess. I don't know how many of them are actually saved. That's not up to me. I don't keep the Lamb's book of life. Here's what I do. I'm supposed to go forth. I'm supposed to weep. I'm supposed to bear precious seed. I will come again. I will come with rejoicing. I will come again with rejoicing, bringing my sheaves with me. We are in the harvest. God wants us to set the pace. There are others who say... Can you still have a bus ministry? Yes. Can you still reach kids? Can you still have a youth ministry? We have an extravaganza. We have an outreach. Can can we still have a children's church? Can we still still reach moms and dads? Can we still see folks saved and baptized and added to the church? Yes, we can. But we're not going. We're not doing. We're not constrained as we ought to be. Everything that's alive and well reproduces. Reproduces. We have the opportunity to do something, to create something good. Part of that creation model is procreation, having children. We should biologically, yes, if we're healthy, have children. We should spiritually have children if we are spiritually healthy. We should be winning souls to Jesus Christ. There should be little copies. We don't want clones of ourselves. We don't want, you know... We don't want that to to be the case. But others who will be talking like us and doing like us will come after us. So how's that generation coming along after us? Do they want to? Do they want to? Recently I asked Brother Rich Bellow for the music that we made for this program. He said, I want something original to play. When we get to a neighborhood, I want to play certain songs And on these subjects, so he gave me the subjects, and I wrote about a half dozen. I can't remember how many songs, but I asked him to send them to me. He he was so persistent, he got in touch with all the folks up at Lynchburg. He got Robbie Heiner to record some of our music. You say, I didn't know you had Robbie Heiner record some of your music. Well, I wasn't the one who talked him into it. It was Rich Bellow. He wanted that program to go. He wanted it to be first class. He wanted it to be effective. He asked me to write the songs. I wrote the songs about where's the cemetery where dreams go to die. Talking about parents looking at their children who've passed prematurely because they got into drugs and they got into uh, violence, gang violence and so forth. And he was all about trying to stop people from going into drugs. And Jesus is the way. And stop people going into gang violence. And Jesus is still the way. He is still the way. Somebody was creative enough to do that. I'm I'm glad I had a very small part in that. But I said, Rich, will you do me a favor? Get copies of that music and send it to me because I'd like to see it again. I'm so glad you had that program. I'm so glad. Down in South Georgia, there was a time when my brother asked Gwendolyn and me to come. And we were there for a transitional period of about a year and two, three months down there helping them and we started bus ministry there Tom so they started bussing them in we bought four buses and just started running buses and filling them up and we were bringing 200 in average of 50 on a bus 200 were coming in and and the first sunday we came in with i I don't know about 80 kids total on four buses and it grew to 200 but the first 80 brand new kids and those poor Sunday school teachers, I mean, we probably didn't prep them correctly. They're, they're trying to fill out all these information cards on bus kids, like 80 bus kids in, in, in one Sunday. And they, they went to my brother, who was the senior pastor, and said, we can't do this. And so my brother came to me and said, they said, if we can't do this. What are we going to do? And I said, i tell you what we'll do. We'll have a separate bus Sunday school. And I didn't do it because I didn't think the kids We're worthy of going to the regular Sunday school. I did it because I knew it was an impossible situation, and there's only one way, and that is to get a little creative. So we got a little creative. And in the fellowship hall, which was used all the time for big dinners, and down south, man, they have dinner on the ground. They have breakfast on the ground. They have lunch on the ground. They have snack on the ground. I mean, they do everything. They eat a lot, you know. And the biggest, most modern building of their complex was their fellowship hall. So guess where we started the Bus Sunday School? In the Fellowship Hall. Now the problem was we grew to 200. We didn't have 200 chairs. But we did have 200 spaces this big for them to sit on the floor. And so we, we uh, said, we're, we're going to be just like they are in Asia. We're going to sit on the floor. Or we're going to be like, like uh, all those Native Americans in the teepees. We're going to sit on the ground. And that's what we did. And we got them sitting in there. And everything we did, we did big, right? See it big, keep it simple. See it big, keep it simple. though so, hey, kids, how you doing today? Hey, everybody. And we, we get them to shout back and sing back and repeat back. And they went home knowing their scripture and knowing their songs and knowing Jesus, getting excited. Praise the Lord. It was exciting. It was wonderful. We saw many, 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 many souls saved. In fact, years later, my brother said he was called up to do a funeral father and daughter the father was a fellow that was a drunk and the daughter had been a little girl had come to our bus Sunday school and she'd gotten saved and then did a double funeral they were killed in an, in an automobile accident or truck accident crossing railroad it was a terrible thing but, but the little girl had received Jesus Christ as her savior and she's in heaven some of those kids as I said Some of those kids are now grandparents. And you know what? The Lord said in John chapter 15 that it was His will that we be like the branches and He's the the vine. And we ought to bring forth fruit and more fruit and much fruit. And He wants our fruit to remain. And praise the Lord. A lot of people don't believe in bus ministry or in evangelism or in soul winning door to door But I would venture to say there are more people out there who can look back and say, I know that I know that I know that I got saved back there in that children's church. I got saved on that bus route. I got saved in that Sunday school class. They know it because that was the emphasis. You go into so many places and they have a hop-skip kind of method of Sunday school lessons and never the the net being drawn or very rarely the net being drawn for people to get saved. And listen, we ought to always draw the net. We ought to always draw reach people the best that we possibly can. I've chosen you and ordained you, Jesus said, that you should go forth and bring forth fruit. So after choosing to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, some of those that have been led to Christ lead others to Christ. And parents and family members are reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I, listen, just because time has passed, just because the clock has moved on, does not mean that we are done. We're not finished. I'm still breathing. You're still breathing. I've still got a pulse. You've still got a pulse. So what's our excuse? We're still going. That's right. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We can't carelessly rush by people standing on the street. We've got to give them a track. We can't rush by that line of people. Uh, I tell you what, the best place to give out Smiley face tracks. I'll tell you my secret. Go into the thrift stores. Because on Saturdays, especially rainy Saturdays, everybody's there. And they're standing back. There's 10, 12, 15 of them in line waiting to go out of the thrift store. You can go down that line. Smile for you. Smile for you. Go down that line just fast and get to the end and talk to somebody until they throw you out. But uh, praise the Lord. You can have compassion on souls and show them. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe they've never experienced the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. One great need of every believer here tonight, including this preacher, is that we have the compassion, not that we work up, not the sympathy that we work up because we heard the illustration about the person that died. That's not going to last. We need to look on the fields that are white unto harvest keep driving through those neighborhoods, keep going up and down those streets, keep looking at those mobs of people and say, those people are going to hell if they don't get saved. They need Jesus Christ. Oh, preacher, if you win them out there, they won't ever come in here. We won't get most of them in here. Listen, I would like for every seat to be filled with somebody that made a profession of faith out there, but I am glad that many, many of those that are saved out there that never come in here got truly saved out there. The test isn't of what seat they sit on in our church. The test is, did they mean it when they received Jesus Christ out there? That's it. Get everybody you can to Jesus. Don't stop short. Keep on going. And know this. Anybody that we don't warn, their blood will be on our hands. That's it. We need to have compassion. Paul said, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. He's talking about his brethren, the Israelites. We have people like that. We have great, great concern for, great burden for. You have your neighbors. You have your loved ones. You have family members that don't know Jesus. Listen, I will weep with you if they die and go out into a Christless eternity. And I will try to be a comfort to you because there is justice with God. And maybe before they breathe their last, they prayed and ask Jesus in their heart. I don't know. You don't know. But we try to comfort ourselves with something like that because we don't know for a fact. But wouldn't it be great if you knew that you'd led them to Christ? And you could say, I was there when it happened. I saw them bow their head. I saw the conviction. I saw the tear run down their cheek. I was there. I'm thinking of one man, The lady prayed for. Her. She asked for prayer in this church time and time and time again that he would be saved. Her husband was not saved, and she was, and she wanted to see him get saved. And God finally put him on his back in the hospital. We had witnessed to him. I finally went in the hospital. He was lying there. He was in excruciating pain. He was about to go under the knife. And I said to him, Isn't it about time you asked Jesus in your heart? Didn't have to go through the plan or anything. He had heard it so many times. He knew. And he said, yes. And right there, in a very few moments, I led him to Jesus Christ. And he had that surgery. They put him under the anesthesia. They brought him out. They said the surgery was successful. And after they had him sewn up and he was ready to go into rehab, I asked him again. I said, did you call on the name of the Lord? He said, yes, preacher. I call on the name of the Lord. I'm saved and I know it. I was there. He knew it. I was there. I saw it. I've seen it. I've seen people under conviction. And I know that they prayed. And as far as I can tell, they meant it. They absolutely meant it. So if we're trying to, to think of the, the best way that we possibly can win the loss to Jesus Christ, we start out by being absolutely sure of our own salvation. A lot of people won't go on visitation or so winning because they're not sure they're going to heaven. But we need to have a clear understanding of the gospel and be able to say there are four things you need to know in order to be sure that heaven is your home. And then as a surrendered and dedicated believer, so that we don't have any habits or, or any uh, pitfalls in our own life that will cause people to stumble over them. We go out. We have a working knowledge of the Bible. We have a burden for the lost. We make sure that we maintain that burden by by going out where they are and seeing them in the situation that they are and be filled with the Spirit and don't ever allow uh, that to, to run dry and that to run cold and, and to not be hot and warm and and fired up for Jesus Christ, but have that desire knowing that without that, people are going to die and go to a devil's hell. Let me ask you tonight. Are you a persistent, consistent, dedicated, sold out, spirit filled, born again, soul winner? We need to be consecrated. We need to be dedicated. We need to Know whom we have believed, and we ought to be persuaded that He is able to keep that which we've committed unto Him against that day. We, we need to get this thing settled tonight. There needs to be an old-fashioned re, re, renewal of that desire to win more souls to Jesus Christ. And I don't need to say anymore, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Come on. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How, how many of you tonight would say, preacher, those few basic principles and verses that you brought forth, those points, those illustrations. Uh, God used them to speak to my heart tonight. Slip your hand up. Come on. God used them to speak to my heart tonight. Amen. And will you go forth? Will you weep? Will you, will you bear precious seed? Will you doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing your sheaves with you? Let's determine. Let's claim that promise tonight. We're going to have an old-fashioned uh, invitation with folks coming and praying, or maybe kneeling down where you are, praying there, uh, but saying, yes, Lord, I want to be a soul winner for Jesus. Yes, Lord, lead me to some soul today. Give me a passion for souls, dear Lord. We need to be willing to come. We need to surrender. And so I'm going to ask you right now to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ, would you call upon Him right now and say, Lord Jesus, come in my heart. Save me right now. Take away my sins. Take me to heaven when I die.